Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome into the balloon party. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson, one hour. Come and get it while you can. Don't miss it. Because it's going to be gone soon. (laughs) (laughs) And by that, I mean an hour. Not what all of you are already texting in, that it's going to be canceled. Right. Now, it could be. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. A lot of things can happen. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm right. saying it's the quote-unquote fastest hour. But either way, you can text that joke in, 65780, and the 30th person to do it will win these. So 101 ESPN has your chance to win free tickets to see, oh, wow, this is new. Yeah. Denko? Wow. Yeah. This yeah. is <laughs> showing you the <laughs> prep work that could go in. This is host surprise by copy reading. <laughs> Watch this. 101 ESPN has your chance to win free tickets to see Dead & Company on June 21st at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Tickets for the show are on sale now. Find a bonus chance to win free tickets for Dead & Company right now at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. How about that? There Beautiful. you go. Dead & Co. It's going to be sweet. Uh, Randy Character not in this morning. Mm-hmm. I know his name's Randy Character. Uh, 40th person to text that, that, in, that yeah. in. Gets my car. <laughs> uh, but I had never met Alexa, and she was in with uh, Michelle this right. morning fa- fa- filling in for Randy. So Randy and I didn't get a chance to do our one-minute podcast. Right, right. Um, but uh, Jackson, I think I think that I, asked, I always ask Matt Rocchio, who was our board operator back when we were uh, across town on the AM dial, uh, and um, I said, what was it? I always like to find out what the topic was. What mm-hmm. had the people going? Right. And they said they talked mostly Cardinals. Yeah. After the weekend that was, I feel like that's uh, when the Blues kind of just playing out the string until the playoffs. They're playing going. for home ice, brah. Yeah. I was I was monitoring uh, the Wild and the, the Predators last night. I'm into this home ice. I guess in the whole scheme of things, uh, fun facts for no one tell. The Blues only had home ice in one of the four series when they won the Cup in 2019. Mm-hmm. So it kind of tells you how much it matters. Right. But from a comfort level standpoint, when you have home ice in a Game 7, you feel better. Now, 100%. it can make it all the more brutal if you are to lose said Game 7 when you're at home. I would imagine Bruins fans could speak to that. But imagine the torture of the second round, Game 7 against the Stars, uh-huh. and then heading into that second overtime, and it's in Dallas. Oh, yeah. That's so a whole different ballgame. And then, of course, what winds up being one of the most iconic moments in St. Louis sports history with the hometown hero getting the goal in the second overtime, it doesn't have the same pop right? 100%. if it's in Dallas, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't get the picture with... Ben Bishop and Patty Maroon with the flag behind That's you. correct. It would be odd if Dallas were having <laughs> the Florida Lee skating around the ice. So, with that said, I am monitoring and polling for, unfortunately, I mean, you felt confident the Blues were going to win, although two shots in and the Ducks are up 2 nothing, 
and you're going to this Getzlaff party, has a little momentum behind it, and it's 2 nothing, and is Vili Husso just off right now? But that would do it uh, up until the final few moments when Getzlaff got an assist on a beautiful pass, but the Blues were able to rattle off six straight and get the two points you expected them to get, and here's the situation you have. And this is, I talked about this about two or three weeks ago. When a team is in the final few weeks of the season and they are in we-have-to-win mode and they are playing against a team that is done or just not motivated. And so, therefore, I would point to what many would say is one of either the best teams in the NHL right now or um, the best team by themselves, the Colorado Avalanche. Well, guess what? They've lost four in a row. Mm -hmm. They're not playing for anything, which really benefits the Blues considering they will face them uh, tomorrow night. Uh, that there is such a percentage of advantage for that team winning. You just have to be able to go, okay, whatever your normal wagering unit size is, let's say it's ten dollars. You just got to bet them across the board. Now you're gonna be you're gonna be laying you're gonna be minus two fifty, so to speak. Uh, so you're going to have to bet $22.50 in order to win the $10. But the, the math is just overwhelming. So let me point to some of these. The Wild, it's not a coincidence. They've rattled off five straight. The Blues haven't lost in regulation dating back to that Carolina Hurricanes game, which I feel like I've been talking about for a month. And that's right. because it's been more than a month right. since they've lost in regulation. Plus, they've won three straight uh, after losing in overtime to the Bruins last week. They sweep the West Coast trip, as kind of expected. The Kings were in a spot where it looked like they were going to get in a little tight spot with the the Golden Knights. Well, then they go on a tear. They win four in a row. Everything's kind of set in the East, so it's difficult to really use that as an example. But I'm talking about this isn't just 2022. I'm talking about historically in the NHL, and I would also say you could do it in Major League Baseball. When a team is in a spot where they've got to win, and they're playing, let's say the Cardinals are playing the Pirates in September, and the Cardinals are battling for a wild card spot, or they're battling the Brewers for the division, it's just, yeah, of course they're going to be favored against the Pirates in general, but it just gets to a point of mathematical history that I don't know if Vegas can protect against it. Mm. So it's just one of those things, if you're looking for a wager, these results are not surprising. I think it would have been really surprising, and I think it was a little alarming for Blues fans last night that they're down 2 nothing, two shots, two goals for the Ducks. The Blues were out shooting them but couldn't uh, get anything... Uh, pass Gibson, and then all of a sudden, boom, here you go. They break through and they win it. Meanwhile, the Wild go to overtime against the Predators, and the Wild are able to get it. So 109-109 is the point total. The issue is Minnesota has three games left. The Blues have two games left. And uh, then for those of you concerned about home ice, and I don't, I, I kind of am. I mean, concerned isn't the right word. I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it really matters, as I cited, when the Blues won the Cup in 2019. They didn't have home ice in three of the four series. But I certainly would like it, and I think the Blues are playing to win it. By the time Friday night rolls around, will the game matter for Vegas? That is certainly debatable. Um, it is uh, up in the air. It's, at this point, looking like it might it might not. But uh, that is still to be determined. They are trailing the Stars by three, and the Predators by four for the wild card spot, and they all have three games remaining. Uh, Blues get the Avalanche, a team that's lost four in a row that I think is just trying to stay healthy into their first round matchup with whoever they may face in the wild card. And, uh, and the Blues might be able to get two teams that are playing for nothing when the time rolls around.
that is an advantage. So there is the state of things for the Blues, which to me is the lead. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to argue about what the lead is. Sure. I'm just telling you that's my mindset. If this were if this were late September, early October, I'd say the Cardinals are the lead. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm coming from on it, Jackson. That makes sense. All right, fair enough. Uh, watching the Cardinals uh, yesterday, uh, Adam Wainwright, uh, just clearly from my standpoint, I don't know if he didn't have it, but after the Votto at bat, I think it was an 11-pitch at bat, and he lost him. I was thinking about firing a live wager on the Reds. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting move. Yeah, pick up quickly that he just kind of got beat there, and it's not going to go. Well, my thought process was Cincinnati hadn't scored at that point, so the Cardinals were still a favorite, and you can get plus odds on the Reds. Now, that still meant Cincinnati would have to shut down the Cardinal offense, and in this case, they wound up doing it. I did not place the live wager for the record, but the Cardinals take two of three from the Reds. My favorite part of the broadcast was uh, they did score that run in the first inning, and then Dan McLaughlin and Jim Edmonds say something about for the first time in, I think it might have been like 90 innings or something like that, Cincinnati has a lead. I mean, what a dreadful operation that yeah. is. Yeah, they gave them a standing ovation when they were you know, in the top of the ninth, when they were about to get their first win in almost two weeks. I mean, what a just a... I just that's 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 that's, we're very fortunate here in St. Louis that that just does not happen. Right. Last time the Cardinals finished in last place. Go. Mm, Was it just a one little hint? All right. Was it in? Was it past two thousand? Pre or post two thousand? Oh, absolutely pre. Okay. Since two thousand, every year in September they've been in the mix, even in bad years. I thought those seven was just like. And by oh seven was a bad, but they still were in the mix for the wild card in September. Uh, I mean, not super likely, but they were in the mix. I'll guess 97. It's not a bad guess. Uh-huh. It's not a bad guess. Last time the Cardinals finished in last place, 1990. Oh, wow. 1990. And if you look at the roster, it's kind of surprising that they yeah. were wound up being a last place team. Over 30 years. That's incredible. Yeah. So the Cardinals uh, get the win. They are 9-5 and five on the season. Jackson, mm-hmm. concerns? Any? Yeah. yeah. What do you got? couple concerns at the, uh, the sixth hole with the shortstop. Not really sure what the plan is. Which one are you forward. talking about? Because the guy who's starting tonight and the guy who started two of three in Cincinnati is uh, Edmundo Sosa. Right. Well, the guy who's not playing tonight is who concerns me, obviously, on an offensive side. And then from the pitching perspective, uh, a lot of question marks once you get past you know, Adam Wayne. Packy not. Oh. Well, Pat, we'll see what Packy's got. But uh, for the rest of them, you know. I don't really know what the plan is going forward. You just hope they get right. At least two or three of them get right. Otherwise, you're going to be four starters who are just question marks every time they go out there. Maybe Michaelis. I think Michaelis can probably write the ship and be all right. But a bunch of question marks. We're not really sure. And Flaherty's coming back. And the bullpen's good. But if you have struggles with starting pitching, you hit the bullpen early, then that can become a problem. Goldschmidt did some raking this weekend. Yes. Seeing him get back to, this is about, once it starts heating up, he uh, he also heats up. There's that. But it's really been Arnato and Edmund as far as... Uh, yeah, production-wise. Yeah, the OPS of 963 for Edmund, 1.154 for Arnato. Goldschmidt's up to 632 now. O'Neill's at 623. Bader, 615. Dylan Carlson uh, is at 535. And uh, Paul DeYoung is at 540, and his batting average is at 139. Mm. 139. Yeah, so offensively, and, I, and yeah, I think like a lot of those guys are going to 
get closer to their average as the season goes on. But there's definitely like, Carlson's got to be a guy that that hits. You want someone like that at the top of the order, setting the table, getting on one, two bags. That's a guy who needs to heat up. Outside of that, I think a lot of those guys will get right. Or if they don't, then you know it's just going to be another question mark in the lineup. You can text in your comfort service text line. Six five seven eight zero. Tim McKernan and Action Jackson with you just for an hour. They let us go on, you know, the big FM for an hour. Right. And then, but from seven a.m. to ten a.m. we're on HD two. Hope that doesn't come off like a brag. Right. But yeah, when I'm walking around at Napoli, mm-hmm. and you know, I have bottle service. Duh. Right. Um. Yeah. I'll let I'll let the ladies know I'm on HD two. I will. Right. Right. It's one of the first things I say. They kind of, you, you, um, we kind of walk around with an HD2 attitude. There is an HD2 attitude. So they pick there it up. There is an like, HD2 attitude. This guy's walking around with a lot of swagger. Yeah, is there's on, a lot of swagger. He's, he on, on, he's on HD2. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it, makes all, sense. it all makes sense. Yeah, they put the pieces together. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, my biggest concern is Yachty. Looks like he dropped off a huge cliff even compared to last year. That's from the 314. So going into the season, my question marks, and I felt like I was in the minority, and I probably still am in the minority. I think most of the attention right now is focused on the Cardinals and whether or not they will get uh, the Cardinals pitching and whether or not they will get another starter, especially with Flaherty's situation, TBD. But you know offensively you're not going to get much from Molina. Mm-hmm. And you accept it. It's not like people are going, what? He's not going to hit 330 home runs? Right. That's you, you understand the program going sure. into it. So everybody's fine with that. I don't think there's a lot of complaining about that. Uh I was certainly surprised that the Cardinals didn't go out and get a shortstop, mm-hmm. which with the benefit of hindsight now, I feel like an idiot for saying that, but that's what I really thought they were going to do. My reasoning was obvious spot in the lineup that is a weakness offensively is shortstop. There is a surplus of availability this past offseason with the free agent market and the shortstops, and therefore in the final year for Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, and we were talking about the possibility of pools returning um, doing the show, doing TMA last year, that it thought it made sense that they would go all in and try to cap off this era, and that would be the spot to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I also just am not as high offensively on the outfield as I think the average fan is. Not to say every fan is high on the outfield. I just am not. I'm not as. I, I and I could be off the mark on that. So that's where I'm coming from. Um, and offensively, you know, three of their five losses, they've either scored one or two runs, if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean, it's a small sample size, both with the wins and with the losses. Uh, for most people, I think, what they're hesitant on, it's the starting pitching. Mm-hmm. And Adam Wainwright has had two really good games. And he, I don't think yesterday he could be called a terrible game. It just wasn't. He just wasn't as sharp. And you could kind of tell. And he didn't get a couple calls in the first inning that I think he thought he might get. And then he's thrown a bunch of pitches early on and just never really got it going. Plus, right. he didn't have much offensive help. Uh, Michaelis is right at the ship. Yeah, he's looked a lot better. My, Michaelis is right at the ship. And then you just have some question marks in the back end. But Matt's has been here and there. He's been one to start good, one start bad. And then you got uh, the Hicks experiment. And uh, and then Dakota Hudson. Um, so people are going, if this team is going to do anything, they're going to need to do more with that starting staff than what they currently have. And right. I just don't know how many people really believe Jack Flaherty will come back and not even be 75% of the second half of 2019. Sure. But rather, um, you know, somebody who can truly fill a spot and be effective when he gets out there. Uh, guys, uh, I agree with you, Tim. There are a lot of gambles in the outfield. That's from the 636. Uh, how long do you think DeYoung's leash 
is. Well, I think you can make a case that it's been pulled on a little quicker than I would have expected, honestly. I feel like one of your little Texas parlay questions was how long or something along those lines before they would bring up Gorman. Right. Gorman's raking. Big time. Um, I just, my belief is that they are not going to pull the plug on him for a while because I really believe that he was going to be you know the guy this year and that was something that irritated Mike Schilt that's yeah. what I think was was one of the sources of consternation between the front office that's one of the philosophical differences so to speak and therefore if you're going to take a stand like that I don't think that that is something that you're just going to pull the plug on when you're three weeks in and on top of it you're nine and five now you might be nine and five because you haven't faced a great set of teams yet but tonight you know you got you got Scherzer you got Bassett and you got Carrasco over the next three days this will be yeah. a good test without Wainwright right yeah no way in the starts. mix so you know Scherzer uh, Bassett and Carrasco this will be a good test and, and even though the Mets were not expected to be great kind of a similar win total to the Cardinals especially yeah. once DeGrom went, went down um, that uh, they're off to a, a hell of a start. So this will be a good test for the Cardinals. Cardinals and Mets tonight. Blues and Avalanche tomorrow pregame here on 101 ESPN at 7.30 p.m. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. You are welcome to text in and participate in the program. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Leave a mic drop presented by Rhino Shield using the 101 ESPN app. We will take a commercial break. Come back more with, what is it called, Jackson? Lil Tex. And Hot Love. And Hot Love. Nice. On 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you here on the show. And you are welcome to text in and participate in the discussion. 65780, Air Comfort Service text line. Leave a mic drop via the 101 ESPN app. Rhino Shield, the presenting sponsor of our mic drops. Action Jackson is the most eligible bachelor in St. Louis. I just want to. I just want a recap of your mm. weekend. Now that we've hit it hard with the Blues and the Cardinals, I know you want to break down the Zurich and then also uh, the Warriors. But uh, I just, I just want to. I just, just out of curiosity. Uh, Friday. Friday night, we hit, uh, oh, your old neck, Tam Avenue Bar. Oh, look at you. Yeah, nice patio. It was a beautiful night. Just hung out, drank some beers. A couple, uh, there was no, they didn't have Apple TV set up, so I couldn't watch the Cardinal game there, unfortunately. But mm. luckily, the Heat and Hawks were on, so that was no issue. That was probably a win for you then. A big W. And then uh, Saturday was another gorgeous day. It was a little hot. Hawk honestly. was up. Hawk was up. Oh, big time. But I was at Forest Park. They had that Earth Day event out there. I was just kind of checking it out, hanging out. What were you at, like a Renaissance fair? Did you dress up as a knight? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly. A, a fair maiden? Yep. Both, actually. I had a wardrobe change. And uh, that was wonderful. Hung out with some friends. So we'll get together later that night. Uh, just two outstanding NBA games were on that night, too. So well, I just feel like you bring it up, and it's just done to poke the beehive. You're asking me what I did. That's exactly what uh-huh. I did. And Sunday was a Sunday was a clean the apartment kind of day, grocery shopping, and watch the Cardinal game. And more NBA. All th- actually, all three games I watched yesterday, oh, too. Goodness. I-, I watched more basketball probably since March Madness. This was most I watched this weekend. Tim, he hates the Blues. No one would want him. LOL. That's from the 217. Mm, interesting Does take. Jackson pull the Ron Burgundy to ladies with the I'm kind of a big deal? People know me. Do you right. do you walk up to... Well, you just heard the last segment. They know I have the HD2 attitude. It's it's tripping on me. There was a TMA promo in the commercial break. There was. How about that? I really was 
alarmed. Yeah, Paul Rudd, look at us now, GIF yeah. kind of deal. Look at us. Look yeah. at how it all, it's all, who it's all, it's all played out here on the uh, on the show. BK and Ferrario coming up at the top of the hour. Then you have the fast lane from two to six with Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, and Brad Thompson. Uh, Action Jackson sends me his list of queries, mm. and they're timed out now to come over right at five o'clock. I actually yesterday I finished. You just them. happened to do it right at five o'clock. I finished at like four fifty-seven, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off. You know he minutes. likes right at five o'clock. I just thought, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out which one I'm going to. I see there's one about the. What do we have here? Something about the NBA. I know. Oh, the Grizzlies. Oh, that was it. That's just a. That was the catalyst for the question. <laughs> It wasn't necessarily about the, the, the officiating in the Grizzlies-Timberwolves game. I'm just telling you, if you're looking to calculate expected value, if you include an NBA franchise and it doesn't have anything to do with the HBO winning time show, right. in the in the first few words, it's got negative EV at that moment of being actually read on the show. Now, if you want to do your own podcast and like break down the Grizzlies, uh, then you know by all means, I think people... I think well, people will run to download that. I'd be happy to do it, but uh, it was seriously just a catalyst for a much broader. All right, question. Well, okay, fine. Then for the sake of for the sake of finding that out with the audience and letting the audience be the judge and jury, and you know they're fair. Yes, the most fair of them all. Of jury, my peers. This weekend, we saw Grizzlies coach Taylor Jenkins take a blowtorch to the officiating performance in their Game Four loss in Minnesota. Now, didn't that go on last night following the Suns game? Am I correct? Uh, was Monty Williams not? Yes. I, I went to bed. No, I didn't see that. So so even on the NBA now, you're not even paying attention. Well, I, that was the late what game. What do you pay attention to? I, like I said, I watched so much of the league this How weekend. do I know what happened? I think there was a 45-15 free throw disparity or something like that for yeah. the, the Suns and Pelicans. Coach of the year, Monty Williams, probably not happy about it. From your perspective, how do you prefer coaches to address obvious poor officiating? So this is not NBA specific. This is right. general. And then you go into, do you prefer how Jenkins did it? Or do you prefer it's out of our control method, similar to Craig Berube after the hand pass incident? Okay, I see what you're saying, and I will agree with you uh-huh. that you're not necessarily looking to break down the Grizzlies no, series. No. no. Um, I thought the way the Blues and Craig Berube, but Petrangelo and Berube, which mm-hmm. was absolutely calculated, mm-hmm. but sharp. Right. Sharp. Handled that in game three against the Sharks in 2019 was brilliant right um there's not a doubt in my mind in the room after the game baruby made that clear uh that that was how they were going to handle it because across the board it wasn't just him and petrangelo across the board everybody dismissed it right and then you had the the sharks guys sitting up there who was it thornton burns and carlson if i'm not mistaken uh you know kind of like making light of it Right, and they never right. they never won a game after that, and the franchise has been in disarray ever since. Right. Uh, so the way the Blues handled that was perfect. I thought that in the moment, and here is why I think they thought they handled it that way. I think they handled it that way because they knew they were the better team, and it took that BS for the Sharks to beat them, and there was no reason to go on tilt or to alienate the officials and possibly bang them with a call in game mm-hmm. four or five. Right by raging publicly. Uh-huh. So I thought that the, the thing that was most impressive about it, because again, I think they'd handled it that way because they knew they were the better team, but the thing that was most impressive about it is that in that moment, and try to picture if something happens at work for any of us, mm-hmm. uh, that really puts you on tilt, yeah. really irritates you, really makes you emotionally fired up. Mm-hmm. 
and then somebody or a group of people ask you a bunch of questions about 10 minutes after it happened. That, to me, is the accomplishment, to be able to turn off that emotion for those comments, which actually, I believe, can play a role in how a game is officiated. Mm -hmm. Now, there was another time, and I can't recall when it was. It might have been a playoff series. But I noticed that Baruby was, and it might have been last year, uh, was was vocal about his happiness with the officiating. Right. But I, and if it was last year, I think he felt like, okay, we are clearly the inferior team. Sure. So I think it's a case by case basis. Even though it's human, and therefore it's difficult to chastise people for human nature, I think the the the, the coaches who do it best are the ones who are able to turn off the emotion and use their comments as some form of either a motivator for their teams or a manipulator for the officials. Mm. And I think certain manners of handling it have different results. And so I know, to me, and I think it also sent a message to his team, the way Baruby handled the hand pass game specifically, I think sent a message to his team that we're not going to worry about the officiating because over the course of seven games, we're going to beat these guys. Should have won it tonight. That was one, I think, where the Blues gave up a late. Uh, they The Sharks had pulled the goalie, and they missed a bunch of empty net opportunities, and then they tied it late, and then I think that was, yeah, it was an overtime goal that was uh-huh. the hand pass. And I think they're like, that That crap had to happen in order for the Sharks to win this game. We're going to be fine as long as we don't take our eye off the ball. Right. And so I think that was the thought process. If you are at a disadvantage, it's like when you see an offense running trick plays, Alabama running trick plays, right. because Alabama knows over the course of 60 minutes things are going to work out. Mm-hmm. It's the teams that need to pull something out of the hat, so right. to speak, uh, in order to be able to pull it off. So from that standpoint, I think it's a tactic, and I can't speak to the situation in the Grizzly series as well as you can. Mm-hmm. It's been rough. It's been rough? Yeah, it's been a rough officiate. It's been tough. That um, I, I just I think it's so important to try, even though I understand, to try to turn the emotion off when you're making those comments and to either, if you're going to criti- crit- criticize it, use it as a tactic mm. as opposed to just losing your mind. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah, you know, I've, growing up playing sports, complaining to the ref is just part of human nature. I mean, your adrenaline's going so fast, you're so upset if something goes wrong. And if it was something where a non-human made something like that. Like if it was a, a computer, it's nothing, you can't really argue with that. But the fact that a human's making that call, it's natural to argue with referees and officials. That's just how human nature works. It's unfortunate because it sets a bad example for people, for kids watching, because I've been around, you know, youth sports my entire life and young, like a seventh grader complaining to the officials is just a bad look. And they get it from a place. They either get it from their parents or they get it from watching yeah. pro athletes on TV. And it sucks because there's there's a huge referee and especially umpire shortage where they're canceling games. Yeah, I saw that. What there was a like a basketball game, a playoff uh, game, or I think a, soft, a playoff softball game was canceled because they didn't have enough umpires. Because they just don't have enough umpires. I mean, there was a story last week about an umpire being physically assaulted after a game, and it's just brutal because. These people, especially at those younger levels, they're if they're making money at all, it's almost nothing, or they're volunteers, and it's in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter. I want to pose a query to the audience. Please, please. My query is this, especially because I know that there are some people who are a little older in the listening audience. When so you have a better frame of reference on time. If you agree with the premise that there is indeed 
a shortage of officials, and I'm not talking about for the professional level. I'm talking about like high school, sure, or a little league, or, or you know, junior sports. When did? Why do you think that is? And if you believe one of the reasons is the way that they are treated, I think most people think of parents. Uh-huh. Um, when did that start, approximately? Right. And if you again are agreeing with the premise, why did mm-hmm. it start? Because I hear a lot of that. I can speak to. Uh, my time uh, riding the bench on the B team at St. Louis U High eating everlasting gobstoppers. I mean, a hell of a player. What a career. Uh, that uh, there was none of that going on. Uh-huh. Now, going back to the 1990s. Right. And is it just, is it expected now? I have no idea. Oh, you don't boy. have kids. Uh-huh. I have a four-year-old and a three-month-old, so right. I'm, I'm not there yet. Had a wonderful t-ball practice yesterday. I was I was yelling at the coaches, not the umpire though. Right, right. I wanted to I wanted to yell at the umpire, but I didn't. So I'm I'm curious what caused if indeed this is the case, and you have a lot of people saying this is the case. Mm-hmm. I read a column yesterday about uh, anxiety issues for teens in mm-hmm. 2022 and how it is up substantially. Meanwhile, drug use, cigarette use, alcohol use, uh, teenage pregnancy, all has decreased. Substantially. Mm -hmm. And the logical answer to why teens are experiencing anxiety and depression is what? What do you think the answer is? Social media. Exactly. And then it turns out when you read studies, that's not necessarily the case. Right. And so, therefore, I don't want to just introduce a thesis to the audience that may not necessarily be true. Now, doesn't mean we're going to be able to present data here, but we do have people who are parents and grandparents listening with who have seen their kids go through what you and I have not experienced yet. And I'm curious, for those of you who have seen it, when you noticed an uptick, if you did, in in parents berating officials, umpires, whatever case might be, and then what you think the reason for the uptick is. And I honestly, on those questions, I don't don't have the answer. Yeah, it's tough. And and I've seen, you know, the last time I probably played a sport where that would have happened would have been my last season of AAU basketball in 2016 or 15. And they were, the refs were treated just awful. I mean, just awful. And it sucks because, you know, you're part, everyone's part of the problem. You know, parents, everyone. And these guys, like I said, are probably not making much at all. But it's, it, my biggest point is that it is a part of the game that you really can't control. So in theory, it should just be you got to let it brush off your back. You know eventually in a game you're going to get back holes. And for referees, a lot of this stuff, especially in basketball, especially in hockey, especially in football, happened within split seconds, and you have to make a call. And so a lot of times you're going to get it wrong. People make mistakes, and people have to accept that, that these guys are – you're going to make mistakes. And I prefer the Baruvi style uh, during the hand pass game where it's like, all right, you just got to keep it going because if your players are focused on the officiating more than on the game plan, that's going to be a big problem. Uh, this is why I don't bet on sports. Officiating has too big of an impact on the outcome. It started when parents started the not my kid situation. They do it with teachers as well. The parents are blaming the adults instead of making their kids take responsibility for their mistakes, which is causing them to be entitled. That's from the 636. Uh, let's see. I mean, we're getting a million texts on this. Uh, let's see. As a kid in the 90s, I saw many coaches and parents take it out on the refs throughout all sports, such as hockey, basketball, and baseball. It seemed to stem from anything that would hinder a team's chance at success or doing anything uh, good. 
uh, or doing anything. I'm sorry, we're getting so many texts that I can't keep up because the screen keeps flashing. <laughs> Parents, 25 years ago, they started putting signs up about parent behavior. I had to grab a dad once who was going after a 12-year-old ref. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's awful. From the 314. Uh, Tim, 27-year-old father of three and Little League coach. I do not coach my kids. The change happened when I was playing in high school. 2012-ish was when I, as a high school player, noticed it. Kids would yell at the coach and th- and then yell at the ref. Uh, I just couldn't take it. Yeah, it's it's brutal. Some of the and like you said, like the the especially young kids who are doing that as like their first job or just trying to make a little side money, and they have to go get berated by parents after the game. I mean, that's just that's such bad form and such te- sets such a terrible example too. What which is, you know, might be like a get off my lawn kind of take, but you, whenever you're, you're, you're a little young at 24 to be uh, going <laughs> with that. I think you got credibility. I mean, listen, we, both of us are coming from a place of we don't know, we haven't experienced it, right? So, you know, like I said, I'm a parent, but of two super young kids, sure. you're not a parent, right? But a lot of people agree with this, and and whether one agrees with it or doesn't agree with it, games are being canceled because there aren't mm-hmm. enough officials. Again, umpires, referees, take your pick of whatever it is. And so my question is, when did it start and why do you think it started, if you are of the opinion that this indeed is an issue? All right, once again, I'm super late for a break. That is, that's my brand. That is my brand. Uh, we will take a break. I'm sure we'll continue the discussion. You're listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to McCurry with you here to the top of the hour. And then it's BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2. Action Jackson is on the ones and twos. And we welcome you to be involved in this radio show. It is known as Moron Sports. That's right. So like Moron Sports. Like, oh, these guys have Moron Sports. Right. More than sports. But they're just like, oh, actually, it's just Moron Sports. A couple Morons talking sports. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, one of the topics, and it got people going. And and it, how about this, Jackson? Do you do you feel like a little puppet master there? Mm. Because you you brought up an NBA officiating story, and it led to engaging the audience. Yeah, I feel now vindicated. it kind of was a scenic route. Right. I think it was my what you call Hall of Fame hosting ability right. that it's really like got home. us there because mm-hmm. I would have said, all right, what are your thoughts on the Grizzlies officiating situation? <laughs> Six, five, seven, eight, zero would have been crickets. Right. You know, but uh, tying this in as you did actually to what, uh, how seeing how coaches at whatever level, pro level, college level, even high school level, that's what then influences other coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it got into the topic of, and I did see, I don't know if it's the same story that, that we both saw where a playoff game was canceled because yeah. they didn't have enough right. officials, umpires, right. whatever the yeah, it hell sucks. it was. Uh, so uh, this is interesting here. A retired high school AD and official currently assign officials for multiple high school sports. There is a huge shortage in all sports. We are making it work. But some sports are at risk of having their low, lower level games being canceled. Sportsmanship has declined steadily over the past 20 years. It's worse at the youth level where lesser skilled or untrained officials work. Bad behavior has scared off new people from wanting to get involved. Uh, I would love to discuss it in a bigger forum to promote the positives of officiating high school sports. Um, And the person gave their name. uh, Pat Burns is the person who texted that in. Um, 
I'm not. Are you familiar with uh, Pep? I know your father mm-hmm. is in the education field. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he probably he might know him, but I'm not sure. Um, I, yeah. So we're getting certainly a lot of validation on the theory. My follow-up question. I realize, relatively speaking, we only have a, a few more minutes on the show, but. My question is why? Like, what caused it? Mm-hmm. This is just my natural curiosity. Sure, sure. Because I don't recall it growing up. Now, granted, you know, I haven't played sports outside of, you know, golf and losing money on Daily Fantasy every week um, in 20-plus years. So it's difficult for me to speak to it. And and I have two young kids, as I said at the beginning of the other segment, the previous segment, and you don't have any kids. So it's we're speaking at it from a place of you know, transparent ignorance here, right. which is essentially what we're speaking. That's the new name of the show. I've just decided <laughs> transparent. transparent ignorance. That's not bad. <laughs> I'm, I had, I think I have a little idea, possibly a lot more sports. They coaches and just athletes and young athletes in general want to be specialized. They want to play one sport as opposed to probably back in your day where you play basketball, baseball, soccer. Well, when you say play, I tried out for. Right. Right. Attempt to play in a better sense. That's right. But now, I mean, if you're a, ID that's a good at one sport when you're seven or eight, you're going to play that sport year round. That's and, what my understanding is. That's right. a totally new deal. Although I got to a point in baseball where I was playing like 60 games a year slash sitting on the bench and eating those everlasting gobstoppers right. for 60 games a year. So if you're playing out of season, you're mostly on a travel team and it's going to be expensive. And parents now, their whole, their kid's entire ah, lifestyle. Might be, I think you got something here, Jackson. Your kid's entire lifestyle has now become that sport. You know, all you do is take them to practice and it's probably far away. So you're really pot committed to this being their life. And when someone who you don't know, who has a lot of control over the game, starts doing things that you don't approve of, you're going to be adamant and angry. And it's, it's, Interesting. you're losing perspective. I think you're be, right. Because your perspective, you're through this tunnel vision of my kid plays basketball or baseball or soccer year round. Like they spend their entire free time doing this. And so do I. So it becomes more personal because right. it actually, I get it. Right. I think that's a hell of a theory. I really do. I've, you know, I, I play a good amount of golf. By no means am I any good, but I'll play with some people who are really good, played college golf. Mm hmm. And not just like, you know, the neighborhood school, mm-hmm. you know, big, big time, big conference, you know, college golf. And they'll tell some horror stories about golf dad. Right. Uh, but one of the things that they said is growing up in either junior golf or high school golf, there's a lot of cheating. Mm. And I said, wow, because in golf, I mean, that really is. I, yeah. I get it. You're out with your buddies. And I don't remember if I got an eight or a seven and everybody's sure. half wasted on at the turn. Yeah. This is, you know, when you're playing in a competition, but scholarships are on the line. And there's pressure oftentimes because the parent or the parents have been super involved and, and the cheating thing is real. And it's, it's, and I said, and I said, really, that stuns me, but I didn't play. I didn't, I really just picked up the game in the last few years. I said, I didn't know that that went on. Oh God. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason is, is because you're playing for something either to make a team or to qualify for something, or in the case of those kind of at that level scholarships, right? And so that falls under the umbrella of the theory that you are suggesting is now you're playing for something and more than just a banner hanging in St. Gabriel's gym. Exactly. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, well, we lost this baseball game. We have a soccer game later today. It's my son's playing basketball or baseball or soccer, and they're playing out of season, and we're traveling to all these games. And my goal, the goal of doing all of this is to play in college or, you know, even make it to a higher, higher level. So when you see an umpire or a ref make a bad call against your kid, in your mind, they're damaging the goal. And that's going to make them 
extremely reactive. I could go on for like five hours about this. I really, I seriously couldn't be engaged as hell, but I know we have breaks and stuff. So whenever I need a break, you just tell me. If we Probably now. Oh, really? Is that right? Okay. <laughs> well, then there it wraps up. What I was about to say, and then I will throw to the break, uh, J- Jackson and I, we do this thing called Sound Story. And uh, it's where people come in. They usually older p- parents or grandparents come in and, and record their life stories for their kids, their grandkids. Uh, it's at mysoundstory.com. It's something I started a few years ago. If you are interested for Mother's Day or Father's Day. With that said, while it sounds like a promo, the reason why it's on my mind, and it is, don't get me wrong, but we had somebody in last week and they played basketball uh-huh. with somebody who wound up people around town would know the player's name sure. um, over the last 20 years. And said, this guy, when we were in high school, was a god. Right. And then he gets to college, and he's just kind of another guy. Sure. If that, and then, obviously, he doesn't go on and play beyond that. And the reason I bring that up is it's it's, it's the math of the situation. Right. It's a pyramid. At the bottom of the pyramid is is what I'm currently engaged in. With Everybody's able to play, and they'll yeah. make sure everybody gets at bats and so on and so forth. And right. then it gets up, and I understand now it starts in third grade, man. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you're aware of that. I just found this out literally last night at the T-ball practice <laughs> that then it becomes like you're playing for team. And, hey, good, fun, God bless America. Uh, and then obviously then the, the pyramid gets smaller as you go up and then it's high school and not everybody can play as I can certainly speak to firsthand. And then above the pyramid, now we're up at college, with hockey juniors, and it's even smaller. And then you get to possibly playing professional, and but then, then even then there's different levels of professional. Yeah. And then you get to the very t- tip top and those are the people who make a living doing it. Right. It's just the, the math is just so it works against you. Yeah. So right. from a logic standpoint, it's just. I don't know. I don't. I wow. I just. It's not how I. It's not how I think. So right. this is this is eye opening to me that that which makes sense is what then causes the behavior mm-hmm. that indirectly or directly is causing a shortage in officials. All right, we got to take a break. You're listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Uh, welcome back and goodbye. Right. <laughs> it's just bad time management here. That's that's that. And listen, it's my fault. So Jackson's going to apologize. I, I I couldn't be sorry. Thank you. That's leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, BK and Ferrari are up next. We could have kept going forever with this topic. Uh, certainly a million texts coming in on it legitimately fascinates the hell out of me. Right. It is crazy. So, Jackson, look what your little NBA officiating story turned into. I feel vindicated. Uh, all right. BK and Ferrario are up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.